0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast, George Dory with you with Dr. Raymond Moody. His new book is called God is Bigger Than the Bible, which we're going to get into in a big way. But he was telling us a story years ago how he was a little despondent, and Raymond, I'll let you pick it up from there. What happened?
0: Yeah, well, basically, that was kind of midlife, I think I was 45 or so, and uh, had been through a divorce and was living in a new house. and. I was just really, really despondent. Maybe, you know, when you're in a state like that, you're not exactly sure what the whole picture of is, but I was, you know, I was just so despondent and hopeless and yet had learned from my people with near-death experiences who had attempted suicide that that's not the way, you know, it's that's not gonna work. So there I was just not knowing what to do and all of a sudden, George, I mean, you know, people with these mystical experiences and so on and encounters with God, they'll they will they'll tell you no matter how articulate they are, as you know, they say, I just can't describe it to you. Well, that's the wall I'm up against. But all of a sudden, it was like something from above descended on me. And, um, you know, the most compassion that you cannot even begin to... Describe even if I mean, just just beyond words of complete compassion and understanding. Um, nothing like the judgmental God that you know some of the fundamentalists and all want to portray to us. But just complete understanding and and um, you know I used to kind of. I heard when religious people would talk about kneeling down to God, I thought, you know what a, you know how ridiculous. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it works. Have, it, it works. Yeah, that's right. It would, it, you know, that that it would somehow flatter God, or you know, trying to get on God's good side by by kneeling to flatter him or whatever, but. I realized what that was all about is you can't stand up. I mean, I was sitting in a chair, and I just, as soon as the presence of God came over me, I just collapsed to the floor. It's kind of like George Ritchie once told me, he said it's kind of like, he said, like you're being fiercely hypnotized. And so it was just, and yet there was a darkness to it. I don't mean in the negative sense, but in the positive sense Mm -hmm. was, that even though it was a somebody who knew everything about me, every detail, and yet still there's a mysteriousness to it, the impenetrability, but what you see makes you realize that you—it's a kind of experience where you would happily be in that state forever absolutely, in the presence of God. But the kind of idea came was, I had had this vision of, in Virginia, a— um, is a, a blonde mop of you know that i saw this woman's blonde mop of hair from behind and in a blue silk dress of a you know a very specific blue color and i immediately was drawn to this person well the the sort of thought came that everything was going to be all right i mean you know there's always trouble in life but that and and i just Com- the feeling of complete love and compassion and the idea also that you know this life is full of ups and downs and travails but eventually everything does come out alright so that sort of shaped me up and I got back in shape about a year and a couple of months later in September of 1992 I was in um Florida in Saint Petersburg, and I was given a program down there. And um, you know, as typical as you know, when you travel around, you get you go to TV studios to be interviewed. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so it never occurred to me. I got into the car that they had sent, and I went into the studio. And I was sitting all alone in the green room, and this presence wept then, I saw the big mop of blonde hair with that very blue silk dress. <laughs> and um, she threw her arms out as though she were declaiming to a throng of thousands. She said, well, I've been divorced for two years. I don't know if anybody's going to be sexually interested in me uh, again. And you know, I mean, I immediately picked up that this
1: yeah, you raised your hand was, right uh, away, right? <laughs> that's
0: right. <laughs> like, I mean, this was just a wacky sense of humor. I realized she was just, you know, so immediately there was just this bond and with Cheryl, whom you've met. And, um, that's amazing. Then about a year later we got married. So that was, you know, that was my experience with God and, you know, and, and subsequently have felt the presence of God um, and on a number of times, and and uh, God brought us two wonderful kids who we adopted at birth. Uh, Carter is Mexican American by birth. We d- adopted him in uh, Kerrville, Texas, when he was born. And then Carol Ann, who's now twenty, is um, good Blackfeet Native American from Montana. You
1: saved two lives so, by doing that, to my friend.
0: Well, you know, uh, namely ours. You know, the, the blessing in an adoption always comes from, you know, we are so blessed to have those two kids, yeah. Good for you.
1: Well, there, there's something there. I mean, I've, con- I've concluded yeah. that there's too much order in this universe, whatever this is, and, you know, we, we call God under divine creator, intelligent design, we, 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 we created that name God to explain something we really can't explain but there's something to it. There's no question absolutely, in my mind.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, if somebody asks me, George, do you believe that God exists? I say no, absolutely not, because, number one, I, Raymond Moody, am a limited human being. Any belief that I could formulate about God would be bound to off, be off base in one direction or another. Plus, if you think of that sentence, do you believe that God exists? The emphasis of the sentence falls on the word exist, not on God. Well, I was a professor of logic, as you know, and it would take me about an hour, but I could sit down and explain what the concept of existence means and even show you how to form you'd like to symbolize it. But when it comes to God, you know, that that's breaks out of the category of existence. You can't draw a circle around God and call it existence. The way I look at it, you know God through relationships. What I say is, I have a relationship with God, and that's. Why, and by the way, please, folks listening to this, I am not religious, and I'm not trying to convert you to anything. But you're spiritual, and really, I guess.
1: But you I would say you're spiritual, Raymond, because you you believe in yeah, a higher power. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just part of the reason I wrote this book was, um, over the years I've gotten so many much flack from people who are fundamentalists and think they know and that they have a monopoly on God. Well, what I want to say in this book is that people who say they're Bible believers and fundamentalist religionists don't have a monopoly on God. And that you can have a full blown loving relationship with God without ever even having read the Bible. Not that I'm trying to put the Bible down. I mean, you know, it grew from a right. No, I get that. that I respect, but you know, it's it's that I, I think that people don't need to be afraid that God is going to hold them. Uh, is uh, you know, is not is going to be down on them because they don't know anything about the Bible. See, this so, is this is what, is what this
1: confuses is, me though. The God of the Bible. Was pretty violent too. I mean, you know, he destroyed he towns. He created floods that killed
0: societies. Uh, yeah,
1: I I don't He's think that's the real
0: God. Me either. You know, I was in the, I was in forensic psychiatry dealing with mostly paranoid schizophrenic killers or mass murderers or uh, sometimes weird serial killers. But you know, it's like that kind of vindictiveness you see in the forensic psychiatry, um, that's kind of what some people project on God, and that God is going to get even with the people who don't believe in the believer's religious ideology, right? The The people they always assign to hell are always the people who don't go along with their Particular religious preachings. So, but you know, what I've, you know, experienced of God and what people with near death experiences tell me about God is the lack of judgment and the complete understanding and the love that comes through. And that's what I've sort of come to see in my own personal relationship with God and through the the people with near-death experiences—that's what they say.
1: Well, add add that you know. to the equation of God. Near-death experiences. There is so much incredible wonderment. I mean, the the body dies and the soul moves on. Maybe maybe you believe in reincarnation or not, Raymond. I'll get into that in a second with you. But yeah. but you know, there's this afterlife which you are convinced exists, and I am too. And we've got this creator. I mean,
0: the whole plan is brilliant, isn't it? It is. I mean, something that you and I, as smart as we are, George, we couldn't have figured out. Or at least one of us is smart, you. you. That's right. Well, you all know man, You're smart. But what I'm getting at is, you know, look at the near-death, I mean, the the life review, for example. Uh, You go through this life, leading it forward as the actor or protagonist. Then when you die, time stands still, and you see everything you've ever done in this holographic panorama in a timeless state. And everybody you see there in that review, you you relive each action of your life through their perspective. So if you've been mean to somebody, you feel the sad feelings. Or if you've done a good thing to somebody, you feel the good feelings you brought about so life is a two-phase process right first we Mm -hmm. lead it forward as the actor then time stands still then we we see the same thing from the perspective of the other characters and who could have figured that out but god because you know we can only really come to understand the bad things we've done through other people if we see it through their eyes right i mean it's an amazing educational plan and you know and generally God or Christ or whoever is there with people through this review, sort of pointing things out to them or asking probing questions. So it's, uh, you know, one thing I've come to see about God is, you know, I'm just a wonderful educator.
1: What do you think of reincarnation, Raymond?
0: Well, I tell you the truth, I've known some of the experts like Ian Stevenson, and I loved Ian dearly, and I talked to him, you know, about, frankly, about this, but I don't think he had much of a critical judgment. Where I have come to it, on board with reincarnation, is from my own kids, Like, my my little Native American daughter, George back in nineteen eighty one or eighty two I was sitting on my porch swing in Charlottesville, Virginia. I had two wonderful sons at that time who were you know fourteen and eleven, and I had always wanted a daughter, but my then wife had had trouble with the last pregnancy, so it, we knew it wasn't good advisable for her to get um pregnant again so I had to so I I had this daydream. I mean, it was literally a daydream. I didn't send it up as a prayer, but it was very heartfelt and deep. And I saw that. I I thought, wouldn't wouldn't it be great to adopt a Native American daughter? I don't know where that came from, but it was really, really a very deep feeling. And so, flash forward 19 years later. Cheryl and I were living in Las Vegas. I was a professor there, mm-hmm. and we had adopted a baby. And um, this, it, in 1996, four years before we, I met this Blackfeet woman in uh, New Mexico at a lecture, and I, she was kind of uncomfortable in standing up and going to the microphone to ask her questions. So Cheryl tapped me, and I just guided this wonderful woman up to the microphone and let her ask her question made her feel comfortable yeah yeah, four years later this woman just called me out of nowhere and I I said "I," I remember her cheerful voice says how are you doing and I said oh we're doing great we just we adopted a baby a couple of years ago and she said oh I wish so much I had known you were looking and she said, because on the reservation I work in the hospital. And she said, and I'm the first person to know when we had needed a we need an adoptive parent. So a few months later, he called back, and so his daughter that, is on her way. And uh, that's that so synchronicity again. The advent that was the advent of Carol Ann, who is the most ama- one of the most <laughs> amazing people I'd ever known. So when Carol Ann was nine. We were walking along our route. She, Being a Blackfeet, she loves to go on long treks and collect little animals and such. So, looking at this old bridge about a mile from our house, we were sitting and talking, and all of a sudden she said, I don't like this place, plainly referring to the world. Wow. And I said, uh, and she said, yeah, you know, she said, and by the way, we're not religious. We never took these kids to religious things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they don't, they didn't know about my book or life after death. We don't talk. We talk about the phone bill.
1: They knew you, know? you as daddy, and, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, um, so basically I was so startled and Carol said, Carolyn said, yeah, you know, when you die, you just go up and you be with God, and he holds you up there there till all the people you know have died, and then he sends you back as another person.
1: And this is coming from a nine-year-old, then?
0: Yeah, and I said, well, what makes you think that? And she pointed inwardly, like behind her eyes with her fingertips on buses, and she said, I just know in my mind, and she said, because I was with God, and he pointed you out to me. <laughs> and he said, you got go, You got to go down to be his daughter. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.